Welcome to the Charter Cities Podcast. I'm Curtis Lockhart. On each episode, we invite a leading expert to discuss key trends in global development and the world of cities, including the role charter cities and innovative governance will play in humanity's new urban age. For more information, please follow us on social media or visit chartercitiesinstitute.org. I'm Jeffrey Mason, Head of Research at the Charter Cities Institute. Joining me on the podcast today is Lukman Idu, co-founder and CEO of Itana, Nigeria's first digital free zone. We chat about Itana's ambitious plan to become the Delaware of Africa, or the leading entry point for entrepreneurs and companies in tech and financial services to do business in Nigeria and across Africa. We discuss what Itana is doing in terms of community building, policymaking, and infrastructure to realize that goal. For those interested in doing business in Itana, you can find a link to Itana 100, a special offer for Itana's first 100 companies in the show notes. I hope you enjoyed today's episode. Hi, Lukman. Thanks for coming on the podcast. Good to have you. Yeah, thanks for having me. So you are the co-founder and CEO of Itana. What is Itana? Yeah, so Itana, what we're trying to do is that we're trying to create the ideal jurisdiction for global tech and financial companies or service-oriented companies to be able to scale into Africa. And at the same time, also enable Nigerian startups and service companies to be able to scale across Africa. We are making ease of business and creating an ideal jurisdiction that tackles taxation, banking, immigration, and even an ease of incorporation, and also ease of access to community, right, for anyone seeking to set up and operate in Africa, starting with Nigeria. You hit on some of the topics. Could you speak more to some of the challenges that startups and other companies face when trying to do business in Nigeria or in Africa more generally? I think the initial start, right, is the perception of risk. I think that the opportunity in Africa is not something I need to go into. I think it's quite obvious that Africa is the right market, right, for new business to come in. But I think that it starts with even understanding how to work in Africa or the risk that is perceived in working in Africa. After you get through that hurdle, the next thing is even just setting up your business and all the licenses and all the red tape that is there to set up and operate in Nigeria and Africa as a whole. We start with some of the policy issues, some of the infrastructure issues. So not just policy-wise do we have challenges, but even lack of infrastructure. It's a lack of information to operate in Africa. So I think those are the big buckets of challenges that we hear when companies are interested in coming to Africa. And I think it's partly why many companies don't set up and operate in Africa. And that is essentially what we are trying to solve for, that anyone around the world that isn't in this sector, which is, I said, digital, financial, and service businesses, to be able to go onto a computer incorporate your business as a free zone business, um, a free zone entity. So what that means is that it has its own separate laws when it comes to tax, banking, immigration and such. To set up a business, be able to open up a bank account, be able to stay compliant to the Nigerian laws that applies to them. And at the same time, have the information to set up to operate your business. So whether it's access to talent, access to infrastructure, and such. Yeah, I think that's where I'll stop for now. 
we mentioned how Itana is being organized as a free zone. Now, folks who, who might be familiar with free zones in Nigeria will know that the free zone laws that have sort of been on the books for a number of years, they're geared towards an industrial park export processing zone sort of model. So in becoming Nigeria's first digital free zone, as opposed to a, a sort of more traditional free zone, what are some of the steps you've had to take from a policy legal perspective to make Itana a proper digital free zone? So I'll say that this is always something that is going to be ongoing. So I won't say that we're at the final finish line yet, but I can talk about what we've been able to do so far and maybe touch on some of the things we're also looking at or also engaging the federal government on. So the first thing that we're able to do is actually be able to date the law that manages free zones to enable what Nigeria called virtual free zones to be able to exist. So as you've already touched on, that the laws that before we came on board, free zones were considered to be physical spaces. So for oil and gas businesses, for manufacturing and such, or the for the industries. But in the 21st century, we're seeing more remote work. We're seeing more companies being able to operate in a new area without physical presence. This is all due to the expansion of the internet. So the first thing we're able to do was to get the law passed to allow the agency that manages free zones to be able to allow private sector set up digital free zones, but they call it virtual free zones. So that was the first law that we worked on. To go into more detail, they're called zone management companies, but I don't think that's necessary. I don't need to go into the nitty gritties of that. So that was the first thing that we're able to achieve. That was done a while ago, maybe a year and a half to two years ago. Since then, we've also successfully been licensed as the first virtual city zone management company. So it enables us to essentially license businesses to operate from our zone. So that was done sometime last year. And the benefits that we have been able to secure now, and as I said, this is always going to be an ongoing process, but the benefits I've been able to secure now is that we're enabled to incorporate businesses at the fraction to what typical businesses in the free zone would have to pay. I think that right now, Typical businesses in free zones pay upwards to $10,000, $20,000, which is an annual fee to operate in the free zone, while we would be offering our free zone business license at about $1,500, so almost one-tenth of the cost to have a business license in the free zone. The second part that we've been able to do is that law, it says that, again, because the way the law is written, it expects you to invest in physical land in a free zone. So that's a second layer of investment that is required to operate a free zone in Nigeria. Being a virtual free zone obviously then also takes that away. So the cost factor of setting up, again, this is specifically for businesses in our sector, which is obviously digital, financial, and service-oriented businesses. Um, the cost factor is the, first, is, the, is the first thing that we've been able to achieve by creating this lower-cost product. This at the same time, obviously, then doesn't expect you to import and export goods. So we're only playing in the service space. And with that license, businesses are enabled to operate as a free zone in Nigeria with the application of the African trade union laws also operate with this vehicle across Africa. What that means is that you have tax incentives on corporate income tax, on VAT, on tax on dividends, 
you don't have expatriate quotas and special visas for people that want to immigrate into Nigeria. There's special benefits you get in banking, which also gives incentives and makes it easier for capital repatriation out of Nigeria. So sending your money back out. And again, you can also operate in international currencies, which is illegal in the customs area in Nigeria. So that helps with the with the fluctuation of prices and the volatility when it comes to currency. That as a free zone enterprise, you can actually operate with using dollars, which obviously right now is something that is very much in the news when it comes to the challenges we're having in Nigeria with the Naira. And so beyond obviously the licensing fee, if it's a foreign business, are there any other requirements for being able to operate in Itana? So as I said that, there will be checks to ensure that you are in the right sector. Apart from that, what we've done is that we've also obviously part of the Itana product is to create that one-stop shop that is integrated with the government services that you can. And it's the typical things you would require to set up a business anywhere where you'd have to fill out all the different forms to set up a new business in the zone. And obviously, there would be a level of KYC that would be required. There are other challenges that I guess that will be faced that we're still working on. So it's still allowed. So as we are trying to make other processes easier when it comes to things like banking and stuff like that. But as of now, I won't say that there are further hurdles that you would be required to share that you wouldn't expect in setting up a business anywhere else. But then obviously, they would require some more information to ensure that people aren't taking advantage of this and working in industries that are not allowed in our zone. You also do have this clear digital first, I think, strategy, but you do also have a physical campus, the Lucky Free Zone outside of Lagos. So what is the goal for the physical campus for Itana that you guys have? I think that Itana, we're taking a very holistic vision on this challenge that we've taken on, where we are not just from a digital perspective, we're trying to enable ease of business in Nigeria and Africa. And I think that for us to truly do that, we need to solve for all the problems that people face trying to operate and scale, and also how to set up globally competitive business from Africa. You're correct. We are starting off tackling the policy, tackling technology to create ease of business. But as businesses start to scale their operations in Africa, then more people will be required to be in the jurisdiction. There'll be some employees and stuff like that you would have to require. And also, there's a huge pool of talent in Africa that hasn't been unlocked yet that can provide value globally. To tackle this problem of ease of business and transfer of talent across borders, we can't do that without solving for the problem of infrastructure. As a value add to Italia, what we're doing is that we have gone into partnership to actually set up a physical district where remote workers, entrepreneurs, backhead workers of major corporations, so people that can work remotely can work from, making sure that we provide the ideal infrastructure and that space to enable that so that these companies aren't handicapped when competing globally. So as I said, so we're being very ambitious with the plan and we're building this ideal city for tech and remote work in Nigeria. And that's in the Lekki Free Trade Zone, which is about an hour from the Lagos City Center. It's very strategic where we're about five minutes from the new international airport and there's sea, water, and now air um, transportation to come to the district. So we're building this in Alaro, 
and we're just finalizing some of the agreements to unlock the financing for this project. But quite a bit of money has already been invested in so far. And I said, it will be a live work built, a live work district where it will be designed from scratch to design to optimize for remote work and tech work from Africa. So seven hectares is going to cost somewhere around $500 million. So it's quite ambitious. But as I said, we're on the final stages of unlocking some of the financing to start this project. That's exciting. Yeah. And you'll meet global expectations when it comes to the sustainability factor and the level of infrastructure when it comes to internet, when it comes to power, when it comes to water that you would expect anywhere else in the world. And about how many residents would it be able to support in your plans? So I think that we're working to be able to have at least 2,000 people to be able to live permanently on the site. Again, we're starting with seven hectares, but this district can be scaled further. So we are in a position where we're able to acquire more land and scale the project. So we are expecting, again, because of how close we are to the Lagos city center, we also expect a lot of short-term traffic visitors. So we're building a district to be able to operate and full capacity to maybe take up to 5,000 people or such. But then we're creating accommodation for about 2,000 people at any one time. Okay. Now, obviously, construction sounds like it'll hopefully be starting soon. Looking back to the digital side, what can you say about progress to date in terms of companies licensed and operating within Itana? Yeah. So we've launched our Itana 100. What we're doing is we are enabling the first 100 companies to come into the zone now. This is like our pilot phase before we do our global launch somewhere in Q2. So right now, we have started the process of giving the first 100 companies their business license. You can check our the Itana 100 page, which hopefully we'll share the website to do that soon. Or we'll find out how to share that to the people that are watching this podcast. So we are accepting the first 100 companies. The first 100 companies will be able to get a business license and open up a bank account. And with that, you can start operations in Nigeria with the MVP level of incentives and policies that we now have already. That's where we are now. We're live. <laughs> and I think that our, we're live now. Our tech app, I think, will be launched sometime in Q2, where the actual portal will be available to people to even operate and get access to our vendor marketplace, to get access to other services that are required to operate a business in Nigeria. And this is regarding access to law firms, access to advisory firms, access to accounting firms and such, and also access to the community. So getting access to talent, getting access to other services and other vendors that could enable your business to operate in Nigeria. And again, right, the awesome about this is they can be sitting in New York or in Singapore or wherever and operate a full scale service business in Nigeria without having stepping foot into Nigeria and get access to the talent, which is also something we're really excited about. That sounds great. The Q2 is coming up fast. It'll be really great to see once this launches in full. So Itana is organized as a digital free zone. There are some comparable efforts in various places, maybe Estonia, Dubai, maybe come to mind. What are the examples that Itana is leaning most heavily from as you move forward in the creation of Nigeria's first digital free zone? So I think that every jurisdiction is different. So we have done a lot of research and picked things that make sense to us here in Africa. So I wouldn't point to just one zone and say, hey, this is who we are and this is where the Africa version of this. 
But I'll tell you the main examples that has been pivotal when we were designing this idea. We did a lot of research on the Estonia products. We did a lot of research on Prospera in Honduras. And also, obviously, a huge part of our market will be coming from America. Then we've also done some work on Delaware. Tagline, when people ask us what we're doing, right, and rather than giving them the five-minute to ten-minute version, sometimes we just call ourselves the Delaware for Africa. Even though, Jeff, even though if we're talking truthfully, obviously, Delaware isn't really a digital free zone, but it acts like one for most of the tech startups across the world. So tagline sometimes that we use is a Delaware for Africa, but I'll also say that we have picked a lot of stuff from Prospera in Honduras. And I think that the policy or the framework that we've taken is quite similar to the Prospera approach, even though we have learned some things to optimize from there. But Estonia and Delaware are also good examples of places that we've been able to learn from when we're designing this out. Having a background in some of these, I can see the blended elements there. And I think as the continental free trade area in particular comes online, I can especially see with uh, the way Estonia is for the access to the EU, Etana can play that role for Africa. Now, I know that Etana is leading on a digital free zones initiative more generally in Africa that CCI, along with PwC, Africa Finance Corporation, and Future Africa are also involved. So beyond Etana itself, what does the future look like for digital free zones in Nigeria more generally? So in Nigeria, I think that for at least the short to midterm, we will be like the sandbox or the go-to free zone for this ecosystem. But we also see there are people across the continent, I think Kenya are trying to do something. I think Rwanda is trying to do something. Sorry, if my information is incorrect, apologies, that are not designed holistically as digital free zones, even though they're built for similar sectors. So we are seeing people, obviously other countries picking on to the same idea, which is awesome because this provides opportunities for collaborations and cross-border partnerships on digital free zones in Nigeria and in those other countries in the continent. So I think that what the future of digital free zones, I think that it always starts with regulations and policy that there's always more policy development that could be approved or could be put into law that could continuously optimize these free zones to be globally competitive. We're working very closely with the federal government. We do have a proactive federal government, which is great to continue to address some of these things. We're continuously looking at optimization when it comes to taxation. We're continuously looking for abilities for global banking to happen in Nigeria. So enabling global banking in Nigeria and global banks coming to Nigeria, especially in the digital free zone, we're continuously looking at immigration challenges when it comes to processes, but also even visa policies to enable this. And we're continuously building digital infrastructure. Right now, we have successfully integrated for the business licensing. And we're currently working on the banking side. But there's so many other agencies and stuff would make work easier if it's all done on one platform. If we talk about the fintech space, there's certainly a lot of fintech licenses and stuff that requires. So now we're talking locally. So being able to enable this stuff on one platform and be able to manage your tax and your licenses on one platform is the future. But bigger picture, 
where the future goes is, again, back to looking at the application of the AFCTA, the African Trade Union Agreement Laws, where businesses can incorporate once ITANA and use this vehicle to operate their businesses across Africa. So using the same vehicle to do business in Ghana, in South Africa, in Rwanda, in Morocco, or where across Africa, and it being recognized to be able to get local licenses, local immigration abilities, and such like that. So I think that our approach is obviously we want to get Nigeria right first, and it makes sense, Nigeria being the biggest economy in Africa. But then bigger picture is to create that connection with other African continents. Yeah. So when we're talking about how Itana works with the government in Nigeria, you're a private project. It's not formally a PPP, but it seems like the working relationship is quite good. So most of the things that in terms of policy and what you're able to do, does most of that have to go through as you move forward through the legislative process or are you able to work with the zone authority and other regulatory bodies sort of update what you're able to do over time? I think that we need to work with both. So everything we do, we create stability to give investors confidence to ensure that all the policies that we get passed is applied into law into Nigeria. So that level of comfort to investors, right, that there's stability in our zone. But then there's some things that you're right that. So I think it's the way the law is in Nigeria. It's where some things are to do with the free zone um, authority and some things are to do with Nigeria as a whole. Um, so right now, I think that as we're at that foundation stage of Italia, a lot of the work we're doing is with Nigeria as a whole. So the Nigerian federal government and making sure laws are passed, regulations are passed, that solidifies the existence of digital free zones in Nigeria. And I think that will always be an ongoing basis because things like taxation, things like immigration are to do with the federal government and not things that we can tackle at the authority level. And it also, again, gives a stronger foundation to the existence and the continuous existence of these business incentives. You've previously worked in the GovTech sector. How does that experience, having been on the private side, you've been in the public side, how does that experience, how has that shaped decisions you're making and how you're going about building Itana? Obviously, being on the other side right now, we're building the platform. Being on the other side and being, say, a user of these policies and stuff, it has given me a stronger picture on what companies face when trying to operate in Nigeria. Because I think that that experience has been helpful in understanding the challenges we need to solve for when it comes to infrastructure and policy and even getting even just bureaucracy, trying to get some, some licenses and bank accounts and such in Nigeria. And I'm even local, so I can't imagine with how it looks like for global firms trying to do the same thing. And I think that's a part of obviously the value that I bring, it is understanding and making government a partner in this project. As somebody wiser than me that was said that the best way to make something sustainable is to make sure everyone's benefiting from it. I think that is one of the reasons why this has been very favorably accepted by the federal government and solidifies the longevity or the or the long-term existence of this free zone is the way the partnership is set up, where the government clearly identifies why this is valuable to Nigeria 
and why this is important to the economy of Nigeria when it comes to enabling foreign direct investment into the country, enabling employment by enabling local talents to be employed by global firms, enabling local startups to be able to grow and thrive across Africa. So I think that my experience has been able to prepare me to be able to present this in a way to the federal government, which has then made them very proactive in ensuring that this project works for the sake of the country. I think the focus on securing buy-in and the long-term, I think, stability of being able to continue and build on Itana is particularly important because we've seen other projects, right? You mentioned Prospa, for example, which is a really interesting novel approach to what they're doing. But it's been messy for them with the attempted repeal of sort of their operating law. I think it's encouraging the steps you guys have taken to ensure that the government is supportive and sort of incentives, I think, are both aligned for the long term. Make it sound easier than it is. (laughs) Sure, (laughs) of course. (laughs) That's actually an interesting point. Itana has now gone through one administration to the next. Same party, but still a change of administration. I think everyone is still, let's go. There's no clawback or anything like that. So I think that's a great first step, thinking about the long term. I'm impressed with your local political knowledge of Nigerian politics, by the way. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you. So the Nigerian economy, of course, is heavily dependent on oil, but tech has become an increasingly important part of the economy. We can explain how Itana can maybe bring in these companies, but what is the broader, I guess you could say, diffusion of Itana into the broader national economy? What does that look like as tech becomes more and more important to the Nigerian economy? I'll approach this question a little differently. Our even approach is looking at the success factors that we've seen from Nigeria when it comes to the tech ecosystem. We've seen unicorn, not many, but we've started to see unicorns from Nigeria go global. We've seen the likes of Flutterwave, we've seen the likes of Paystack and Della and such come from Africa. And those were certainly stories that we took on when we were starting to think about the reason or the importance of Itana is to be able to enable dozens of unicorns to be able to, dozens of of startups to be able to reach that unicorn level. And that comes with massive, massive um, effect to the economy, massive effect to employment and such. So from so I can first talk about the benefit or the purpose or the reason why Tana is important from that perspective is to see more success stories from Africa, more unicorns coming from the country, which we definitely have the talent to be able to do such. If we solve for the challenges, we do believe that this story of tech and the effect to the economy will be evident. So yes, now touching a bit on the question you asked, in the way I guess you probably intended me to answer, the service space, we are seeing success. We've seen the success and almost this leapfrog approach when it comes to Nigeria and banking. Nigeria have some of the strongest banks in the world as of now. And when it comes to mobile infrastructure with the development of broad or fiber, in the country and how fast the internet is growing in Africa and Nigeria specifically, we are seeing the other factors 
and other industries, similar industries that have taken this very accelerated approach to growth. When it comes to the wider picture, yes, Nigeria, like every other country, is on this very intentional approach to trying to get away from the reliance on oil and gas. But then there's very, very fast growth when it comes to the service industry. I think that with things like Itana, we can see that growth even more accelerated. One maybe speed bump on that journey is we're not in the low interest rate world anymore. And that's hit a lot of the service sector globally, particularly hard. So how has that, to the extent that it maybe it has or hasn't, how has that impacted Itana or your strategy going forward? I don't think that we're being impacted as much. Again, we are in the free zone, so we're operating in dollars. We are, we are, most of the companies we're talking with are obviously companies global setting up some kind of subsidiary or whatever it is in Africa. So I don't think that, of course, interest rates is going to affect, especially on the infrastructure side, the cost of infrastructure when we get to that. But I don't think that our project is severely exposed to interest rates and things like that in Nigeria. That's good to hear. One final question. Looking ahead, say 10 years, or maybe even to say 2050, looking back, what does success look like for Itana? I think success for Itana looks like success for Africa, where we would see Nigeria and Africa and digital and financial companies birthed from Africa set their place in the global world. So we see as I said, digital financial companies, both from Africa and competing globally. Yeah, I think that is the ambitious, what success looks like for Africa and for Italy. Well, I can say that the Charter Cities Institute is happy to be a partner of Itana and the Digital Free Zones Initiative. And we're going to do our best to help you guys make sure Itana gets there. We're excited with everything that we've done so far. We're very excited about continuing this partnership into the future and super excited about the full launch coming later this year. So folks should stay tuned because it's going to be exciting. And just to finish, if anyone interested in obviously joining the Itana 100, I found the website www.itana, that's I-T-A-N-A dot Africa forward slash 100. And I think that's where you can find more information on Itana 100. Look forward to people joining us. I hope we'll be able to say at least a couple of the Itana 100 came because of this podcast. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I hope so. Thanks for joining me today, Lukman. It was great chatting with you. Thanks for having me. Thanks so much for listening. We love engaging with our listeners, so please always feel free to reach out. Contact information is listed in the show notes. To find out more about the work of the Charter Cities Institute, please follow us on social media or visit chartercitiesinstitute.org.